Welcome to the Bible in the News. As war rages on in the Middle East, Israel and Jews all over the world are finding themselves being demonized by the world media. This week saw several disturbing developments where public opinion moved against Israel in the face of the facts. The rise of anti-Semitism in Europe is especially alarming. Uninformed and fueled by media bias, protests have sprung up all over the world. The most violent of these have been in France, where riots have broken out and Jewish stores and synagogues have been targeted. This isn't an isolated situation that's been overblown. Even Laurent Fabius, France's foreign minister, reflected that many Jews in France are afraid. Reuters reported France's Prime Minister, Manuel Valls, confirmed that chants of death to the Jews had been heard during a protest earlier. Reuters also reported that in the first three months of 2014, more Jews left France for Israel than at any other time since the Jewish state was created in 1948, citing economic hardships in the stagnating economy, but also rising anti-Semitism as factors. The cries of death to the Jews erupted in active violence July 13, 2014. The Jerusalem Post reported Palestinian sympathizers outside the Synagogue de la Roquet in central Paris that trapped some 200 terrified people inside the building. A street brawl ensued between rioters and dozens of Jewish men who had arrived to defend the synagogue. The article went on to state, since Israel launched its military operation against Hamas in Gaza, Jewish houses of worship in and around Paris have been targets. On the Friday before the violence at the synagogue de la Roquette, a firebomb was hurled at the entrance to a synagogue in Paris suburb of Ulanae Suboy. The next day, a pro-Palestinian crowd gathered outside a synagogue in Belleville neighborhood of Paris and chanted about slaughtering Jews. And on the same day as the Roquette synagogue incident, rioters also attacked the nearby synagogue de la Rue de Tournelle. The riot outside the synagogue de la Roquette stood out because of the terror it incurred for those inside the shul, who had assembled for a gathering in solidarity with Israel. The police on the scene initially were badly outnumbered by the pro-Palestinian rioters. As Ria said, the five police officers present focused their efforts on guarding the building's barricaded entrance while they waited approximately 10 minutes for backup to arrive. The president of the European Jewish Congress, Marshi Cantor, called the incident an attempted pogrom, end quote. Not only this, but Jewish store windows were smashed throughout Paris, reminiscent of Kristallnacht, or the night of broken glass that occurred November 9, 1938, at the incitement of Nazi officials. During this horrific event, Nazi stormtroopers, along with members of the SS and Hitler Youth, beat and murdered Jews, broke into and wrecked Jewish homes, and brutalized Jewish women and children. All over Germany, Austria, and other Nazi-controlled areas, Jewish shops and department stores had their windows smashed and contents destroyed. Synagogues were especially targeted for vandalism, including desecration of sacred Torah scrolls. Hundreds of synagogues were systematically burned, while local fire departments stood by or simply prevented the fire from spreading to surrounding buildings. 
An estimated 100 Jews were killed on this terrible night, while 30,000 Jewish men were rounded up and sent to concentration camps. The parallels to Kristallnacht demonstrate that the current crisis in the Middle East and the backlash to Jews throughout the world is not merely a localized political struggle, but a religious and ethnic one. Jews are being targeted in Israel and all over the world because they are Jews. The world has learned nothing since 1938. During that time, the world stood idly by while Jews were attacked. Martin Niermüller, a German Lutheran pastor and concentration camp survivor, wrote the following. First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. The growth of anti-Semitism in Europe is to be expected prior to the invasion described in Ezekiel, Joel, and Zechariah, where the nations of Europe and Russia turn against my people Israel. World opinion is turning against Israel at a shocking rate and at shockingly high up levels. Perhaps a perfect example of tragic media bias was highlighted in an interview between Israeli ambassador Ron Demur and CNN anchor Aaron Burnett on a program aired just the other night. What happened here is, is horrific, and we don't yet even know the scale of how many children may have died. Initial reports indicate that, that at least 16 are dead, um, and, and the, the initial reports that was that this attack uh, had come from Israeli tanks. As you know, the Israeli military has said it may have come from Hamas and a rocket which misfired. Do you know at this point? Do you have any more certainty? No, I don't know, but I do know uh, who's responsible for it, uh, and that's Hamas, because they're using schools as weapons depots, and I think it would be a disservice to your viewers for a reporter from Gaza not to mention that in the last week we had two different UNRWA schools where we had actually rockets found in the schools and handed over to Hamas. I also think it's a disservice. These are two different UN schools, you're saying? That's correct. That's publicly available information. It's kind of an important fact for your reporter to mention, and in addition to that, he may have wanted to mention a statement that was made by, not by the Israeli ambassador, not by the spokesman of the IDF, but by the UN Secretary General yesterday. And I want to read you what he said yesterday, not last year, yesterday. He said this, the Secretary General is alarmed to hear that rockets were placed in an UNRWA school in Gaza and that subsequently these have gone missing. He expresses his outrage and regret at the placing of weapons in a UN-administered school. By doing so, now listen, Aaron, exactly what he says. Mm -hmm. By doing so, those responsible are turning schools into potential military targets and endangering the lives of innocent children, UN employees working in such facilities, mm -hmm. and anyone using the UN schools as shelter. This is yesterday. Do you not think that it's relevant to report on CNN that I... the Secretary General of the United Nations yesterday warned against the use of UN schools and shelter for mm -hmm. rocket missile depots of Hamas? And Ambassador, it, it is relevant. And let me ask you this, well, then, because of what you said. But, but Aaron, but... I've been listening for two hours of reports on CNN. I have seen split screens, horrible pictures, horrible pictures that any decent human being would be horrified by. I have not heard a single person say what I just said to you now. And I think that that does a disservice to your viewers to not give them the context they need to make these judgments. Mm -hmm. Hamas is placing missile batteries in schools, in hospitals, in mosques, 
And there must be outrage by the world but, at Hamas to end this. And, and so the interview went on with the ridiculous notion that Israel should have entered hostile territory, sent soldiers into the school where they were being fired on from, and checked it out before firing back. Well, while addressing the UN Human Rights Council, UN High Commissioner for Human Rights Navi Pillay has suggested that the Israeli military might have committed war crimes by shelling and launching airstrikes on civilian neighborhoods in Gaza. This is what she said. My staff are continuing to document several other cases in which family residences were destroyed with reported loss of civilian life and in which preliminary indications suggest not even a single member of an armed group was present. Then just two days ago, on 21st July, shells hit the Al-Aqsa hospital in Deir al-Bala, reportedly killing at least three people and wounding dozens of others, including doctors. These are just a few instances where there seems to be a strong possibility that international humanita humanitarian law has been violated in a manner that could amount to war crimes. Every one of these incidents must be properly and independently investigated. So Israel is charged with war crimes for defending itself from the shower of rockets by trying to take out the network built by the attackers. When the investigation was put to a vote, 29 countries voted in favor, 17 countries abstained, and only one, the U.S., voted against the initiative. Never in the history of warfare does the attacked supply the enemy with food, water, and medical supplies in the heat of the conflict. Maybe after, but never during. Yet Israel has repeatedly done this. Israel is under siege, as was described by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in an interview. Let's hear what he had to say this week. We regret any civilian deaths, but those... Uh lay entirely at Hamas's door. Hamas is deliberately targeting our civilians. They've fired 2,000 rockets, 2,000 rockets at Israel's cities. 75% uh, uh, of our population has to be in bomb shelter alert of 60 seconds or 90 seconds. Uh, they're digging these terror tunnels from Gaza, from homes in Gaza, to penetrate and infiltrate Israeli territory. They've emerged there and killed Israelis and run back or try to run back into their territory. So we've had to take action. Uh, what Hamas is doing very cynically is embedding its rocketeers, its rocket caches, its tunnels, these terror tunnels, in homes, in hospitals, in schools. Uh, and when we take action, uh, as targeted as we can, they then uh, use their civilians as human shields. So Hamas is both targeting civilians and Hamas is hiding behind civilians. That's a double war crime. That, that may therefore, be, all civilian deaths. That may be, sir. But all civilian city. deaths, as regrettable as they are, fall on their on their shoulders. Netanyahu went on to point out that Hamas actually wants to kill its own citizens. Uh, the interesting thing is this: we've asked the civilian population, the the people in Gaza, who are not our enemy, they're hostages of Hamas. We've asked them, please leave. We text messages to them. We. Uh, we call them up, it's cell phones, we drop leaflets, uh, and Hamas says, no, don't leave, stay. They have plenty of uh, exit points and they, they know it, but Hamas is saying, don't use them. Hamas wants to kill civilians on the Israeli side, and the amazing, grotesque, and gruesome fact is 
They want to have as many civilians killed on the Palestinian side because it gets you to ask me these questions. And of course, our goal is not to hurt a single individual, not to hurt a single civilian. What they're doing is a, is a double war crime. It should be it should be condemned with the most forceful action because these people are like ISIS, they're like Al Qaeda, they're like uh, uh, Hezbollah uh, and the other Iranian proxies. They don't give a wit about the Palestinians. If, if, if that's and the all case, all they want is more and more civilian deaths. If that's the case, the sir. Israeli Prime Minister also pointed out that Israel has done what the international community has asked, and this has created the vacuum for Hamas to thrive. We handed over Gaza to the Palestinians. We said. We did what the international community has always been telling us. Take out the settlements, go back to the 67 lines, hand over the key to the PA. We did, to the Palestinian Authority. Uh, they promptly were booted out by Hamas, Hamas uh, with Iran uh, in its back, as Iran has been financing, equipping them, training them, giving them thousands and thousands of rockets. They've turned Gaza into a terror fortress. And I think the goal will be, after we achieve a sustainable uh, quiet, to work with the international community to demilitarize Gaza from the rockets and to shut down these terror attack tunnels. In response to questions, Netanyahu confirmed that Israel has agreed to three separate ceasefires, while Hamas has refused them all. But you're right about one thing. I accepted. I called for a ceasefire right away. And then I accepted the Egyptian ceasefire, backed up by the Arab League. Then I accepted a UN humanitarian ceasefire. Uh, which Hamas rejected as well. Then we did now a humanitarian ceasefire, uh, and Hamas has violated that too. Hamas doesn't care. I think the last thing you want to do is reward them. Well, Israel isn't alone in defending its actions. British commander Colonel Richard Kemp, a former British commander in Afghanistan, spoke out during the last Israeli military operation in Gaza, cast led 2009. He address the UN Commission, and this is what he said then. I'm the former commander of British forces in Afghanistan. I served with NATO and the United Nations, commanded troops in Northern Ireland, Bosnia and Macedonia, and participated in the Gulf War. I spent considerable time in Iraq since the 2003 invasion and worked on international terrorism for the UK government's Joint Intelligence Committee. Mr. President, based on my knowledge and experience, I can say this. During Operation Cast Lead, the Israeli Defense Forces did more to safeguard the rights of civilians in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare. Israel did so while facing an enemy that deliberately positioned its military capability behind the human shield of the civilian population. Hamas, like Hezbollah, are expert at driving the media agenda. Both will always have people ready to give interviews condemning Israeli forces for war crimes. They are adept at staging and distorting incidents. The IDF faces a challenge that we British do not have to face to the same extent. It is the automatic Pavlovian presumption by many in the international media and international human rights groups that the IDF are in the wrong, that they are abusing human rights. During the conflict, the IDF allowed huge amounts of humanitarian aid into Gaza. To deliver aid virtually into your enemy's hands is, to the military tactician, normally quite unthinkable. But the IDF took on those risks. Despite all of this, of course innocent civilian lives were lost. War is chaos and full of mistakes. There have been mistakes by the British, American and other forces in Afghanistan and in Iraq. 
many of which can be put down to human error. But mistakes are not war crimes. More than anything, the civilian casualties were a consequence of Hamas's way of fighting. Hamas deliberately tried to sacrifice its own civilians. Well, the world has learned nothing from what happened in Kastled and has risen to condemn Israel again. In an interview just the other day, Kemp addressed the same scenario Israel is facing today. Um, there are war crimes being committed in Gaza and the, the death of children, babies, men and women in Gaza is undoubtedly a war crime. But it's a war crime that's being committed by Hamas, not by Israel. Uh, as far as I can see, and I've watched this campaign very closely, Israel is conducting the campaign in an exemplary fashion. Of course there will be mistakes and there are errors and difficulties. And, but Israel, as far as I can see, is exercising the maximum possible restraint. They cannot, the, the only thing they can do, short of what they're doing, is sit back and take it from Hamas. And what, you know, they can't do that. How can the government of Israel allow its civilian population to be hammered by missiles time and time and time again and do nothing about it? There's no country in this world, including the United Kingdom, who would put up with missiles coming in towards its citizens and sit back and, and take it. When asked about the concept of Israel using disproportionate force, this was his response. Well, I've heard a number of people such as Ban Ki-moon and uh, our own Prime Minister David Cameron and mm -hmm. President Obama suggesting that Israel should do more, in some cases saying Israel should do more to protect civilian life. I'd like to hear them explain what it is that Israel should do because as a man of 30 years military experience, I cannot think of one single thing that Israel can do more to protect civilian life beyond what they're doing now. And I think they've gone further than any other country, any other military that, I've, that I'm aware of or I've seen, in taking such steps to stop the, the deaths of innocent civilians. But when you're fighting an enemy, Hamas, who wants you to kill their civilians, who sometimes force their civilians to stay on military objectives that you are legitimately attacking, casualties are inevitable. Colonel Kemp also said Hamas was not alone to blame in the tragedy that has happened in Gaza. But the international community, I think, should bear some culpability because Israel was subject to month after month, even just in this round, of rocket attacks delivered onto its territory. And the, the, despite the Israeli ambassador in the UN appealing for the UN to do something to try and mitigate this and bring pressure down, the UN ignored it. So I think there is culpability outside. The reality is the world is drunk with the wine of media distorting facts and judging the situation by distorted sound bites and video clips skewed to paint Israel as the bad guy. Really, it is a demonstration of an age-old hatred that predates the Nazis, the Inquisition, the Romans, the Greeks, the Babylonians, and goes back to the beginning. It is the enmity that existed between the people of God who chose to put his name on them, and those who are not interested in God's way. We read in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The scriptures predict that the world will turn things upside down. We read in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is exactly what we are seeing in the world today. A wicked organization like Hamas is being defended by the media, while Israel, who is only trying to defend itself, is being condemned throughout the world. In fact, a first century Jew, the Apostle Paul, wrote the following of the way the world would end up if it rejected the knowledge of God. We read in Romans 1 verse 28, 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of enver, envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. End quote. The world does not like to retain God in its knowledge, and gullibly uses media manipulation to frame its morality. The description in Romans fits what we are seeing in Hamas, the media who support it, and the UN who have become inventors of evil things. One of the accusations is that they are without natural affection, which is defined as heartless or lacking normal human affection. This couldn't more aptly describe a government that is willingly sacrificing its own children to gain media attention. This is like the child worship of Molech performed by the ancient Canaanite nations inhabiting the same regions many years ago. Christian governments should not make the mistake of sanctioning child sacrifice and having pleasure in them that do them. The battle that is really raging is one for truth. As was pointed out by Netanyahu in 2012 when addressing a group of Israeli young people. And if I said, what is the greatest battle that we face? Of course, we, we live in a tough neighborhood and we have to defend ourselves and we have the bravest soldiers in the world to do that. But the most important battle that we have to fight is the battle for the truth. And all of you can become ambassadors for the truth and ambassadors for Israel. One of the bright sparks out of this whole conflagration has been Britain's realization of Israel's plight. When Britain's Foreign Secretary Philip Hammond visited Israel this week, he and Netanyahu held a joint press conference. Welcome, uh, Mr. Secretary. It's, uh Good to see you in Israel in these trying times. Uh, I think you, as a representative of uh, the UK, of Britain, uh, have um, a special understanding, at least a historical understanding, of what Israel is undergoing. There's only been uh, one other instance where a democracy has been rocketed and pelleted with these projectiles of death, and that's Britain during World War II. Uh, Israel is undergoing a similar bombardment now. Uh, we're responding in our own way by targeting the rocketeers and seeking to ferret out these uh, terrorists who are hiding behind civilians while firing at our civilians. This is a double war crime. Britain's Foreign Secretary, Philip Hammond, had the following to say. And I'm here because the UK, along with the rest of the international community, is determined to do everything that it can to help to bring this current conflict to a quick end. Britain has been very clear, I have been very clear, Prime Minister Cameron has been very clear, that this current cycle of violence was triggered by Hamas firing hundreds of rockets at Israeli towns and cities indiscriminately and in breach of international humanitarian law. 
Britain has also been very clear that Israel has the right to defend itself and its citizens. Bible students have been expecting Britain to support Israel eventually because she is the merchant of Tarshish who is joined by the young lions of Australia, New Zealand, Canada and even the United States in opposing Israel's invasion in the latter days. For we read, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof shall say unto her, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods and a great spoil? Ezekiel 38.13 Britain at times loses its way and forgets what direction the prophets have pointed it in. But the angelic hand turns them around to the job designated in the scriptures in the end. In America, the House of Representatives approved a non-binding resolution backing Israel's right to defend itself against Hamas rocket attacks. Well, what can we do? Well, the most powerful weapon is prayer. James tells us the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much in chapter 5, verse 6. So we are instructed in the Psalms, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren's sake and companions' sake, I will now say, peace be within thee. Psalm 122, verses 6 to 8. So the duty of all Bible believers is to fervently make this prayer continually. We read in Isaiah 62, verse 6 to 7, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace, day nor night. Yet are ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence, and give him no rest, till he establish, till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. What we look forward to is the day when Mashiach, the Messiah, is revealed. Described by Isaiah in chapter 11, verses 1 to 5, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, nor reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth." And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked, and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. We look forward to that day. Join us next week for another edition of the Bible in the News on BibleInTheNews.com. This has been Jonathan Bowen joining you. <laughs>